Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is an actor a writer a comedian and a musician whose band wayne and rodney released their excellent album turn it up nigh upon six months ago as well as a podcast a podcaster i should say with shows like Screw It, We're Just Going to Talk About Comics, Screw It, We're Just Going to Talk About the Beatles, and I'll Write Your Book, which are just named by Forbes as one of the four improv podcasts to keep us laughing through the pandemic. Please welcome Will Hines. Welcome. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. What a generous intro. It's so interesting that like when you do when you have like a creative life yeah. or whatever, when you're like trying to do like writing or acting things, you kind of just like say, well, I'm an actor. But yeah. you might not be good at it, and you say, I'm a comedian. But like when someone like you is very polite and nice and does like a good intro, you just sort of you say the, as if it were true. You name all the things I have declared myself to be. You know, <laughs> well, Which, but these are all things that you you have done to constitute those. To be I fair. have done those things. Like I did release an album. It's a legit album with music. I have acted in things. I have made pocket. It's all true. You're, you ain't yeah. lying. There's just like a legitimacy that I love in <laughs> in the podcast introduction. It's yeah. sort of like, it must be true. Some other person just said it also. I must be a comedian. <laughs> oh, these uh, are all facts then. Okay. Yeah. Good to oh, know. Yeah. Right. Well, what's funny too is though that, well, two things. One, that yeah, it's one thing to like, this is just your life and you do these things, but you don't think about them necessarily in like the totality of it. And to hear like a summation like that, it's like, huh. That is true. Oh, that is. I did do those things. Like that. There is that. But then also, this is like the only time I will ever get to use my journalism degree. So <laughs> I got to use it while I can. And even then, it's it's just writing. But oh, you I, know. I, I I did journalism for a while. I um. Oh, nice. I had like a I guess a minor in journalism when I graduated in college. I graduated college in 1992 from the University of Connecticut. Not like a particularly known journalism program, but I just yeah. happened to minor in journalism. And then I worked in newspapers, like the smallest newspapers, for like three years. And uh, but I gave it up because it was too hard. But it was uh, really fun. It's definitely a um a job where you have to deeply, steadfastly love it. Because it feels like, in my experience, you know, it felt like felt like there were constantly forces trying to keep me from doing it, and I just clearly didn't love it enough to continue, so I moved on. Yeah, that's a good description of it. Like, it was, the, the tide was, push, was pushing you away constantly, so you have to swim hard to do it. Plus, yeah. when, I, I, when I did in newspapers, the, the older, my older colleagues would just tell me, get out. Like, this <laughs> industry's dying. Like, newspapers yeah. in particular. And this was in the 90s. This is like early 90s like before the internet boom truly strangled newspapers you know what i mean yeah like there were still classified ads was like the main way that people sold stuff when i was doing it which is like one of the big sources of income that went away and uh, they were still like get out <laughs> like, huh, that's a bad sign that is funny though because in, in that when i graduated in 06 from university of central arkansas it was that they just the I almost said that, like, new, I mean, really, like, journalism in that incarnation started dying right then. So it was, like, that same type of thing. Yeah. And it does make me think that, like, uh, and it does make me think about it to kind of recontextualize it in that way of, you know, it feels like every generation has that. It's just, it's not that this is such a whatever thing, a thing dies, and it's just like, oh, no, just 
it just like kind of evolves and it's just that version of it does. I feel like every generation has like 30 instances of that on some level. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I agree with you. But um, you're doing, a, I think it's a good, I, I do think people who were interested in being journalists or who were journalists or who studied it make good podcasters because what they do have in common is um, sort of like curiosity. You have to just sort of yeah. be like, oh, how, what's this person like? And uh, how does this work? And well, what's what's this mean? Like that's that's sort of the the driving engine of both things, journalism and podcasting. So that makes sense to me that somebody would go from one to the other. Yeah, I never thought about it. I, it does feel like kind of a a logical progression too. Yeah, because you have to be able to, on some level, I think to to at least be relatively effective as a journalist is to know how to talk to people and to kind of connect to to veritable strangers. In some instances, like writing obituaries, which I. I did for a second was you have to really tell personal stories about absolute strangers. Yeah. And that's really tough. And I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. It, it was a lot of pressure. I felt that too. Again, I had in my brief tenure of working for newspapers, I worked for one called the Ridgefield press, which was this like weekly newspaper in Ridgefield, Connecticut, right next to my hometown of Danbury. I loved this place. I loved everybody who worked there. But normally the scope of the news stories you would do would be sort of like personal small town news, you know, like yeah. local elections, kind of like sweet little features on somebody interesting in town. And you'd write about the economic pressures or the budget and stuff, but there was nothing too high stakes. But then there was a plane crash, like a little Cessna oh, wow. two-person plane crash where a father and a son, but the son survived and the father died. Right. It was, you know, it was a horrible tragedy. Yeah. This is like my second week of working there, just <laughs> oh, out no. of college. And I had to go call the widow and like get information on the on the pilot. And I really didn't want to do it. I was like, well, I don't want to, I do not want to bother this woman. <laughs> but my, although my editor in that case said, call her, like, she might want to have something said about her husband. Like, you know, we're going to tell yeah. the story she wants told that about her husband. She might like that. If she doesn't, we won't, we're not going to pressure her. But you got to call her. You got to give her the option of saying something, that, you know, or not. Yeah, that's the thing, though, is like my my nice guy thing of I I feel like sometimes like to people, I fear that sometimes I come off as not caring, but it's really that I'm so I don't want to bother them. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so I try to like mitigate, you know, try to figure out that middle ground. But that's but even through that prism of like, this is my profession. That still overrode sometimes what it was to actually like do your job. Exactly. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I never really enjoyed that either. It was it was tough. So the other funny part of working for a newspaper, I, I'm telling you, this was a small newspaper, right? This is like <laughs> the, the town had like twenty thousand people. I mean, they're smaller towns, but this is not not a big town. Yeah. Nobody outside of the town read this newspaper. I think it was free. Like it got just like delivered. It wasn't free. It wasn't. Free. It was very very cheap. But still, every now and then. I'd be interviewing somebody and they'd be like, you, you journalists just want to sell newspapers. And I'd be like, trust <laughs> me, me asking you what your platform is to run for the board of selectmen. I do not have a dog <laughs> in this race. Like I could care less. Like I am not trying to trap you. <laughs> I like, like where that's the duality of what both like, you know, like all the president's men like that, that movie both inspired a lot of people that maybe ordinarily wouldn't be in getting into journalism to get into journalism but then it also felt like maybe it created this syndrome for like even local government about like oh you're just trying to take us down you're gonna try to make the big story it's like yeah this is like 12 dollars a month 
yeah. you get from people. Yeah. It's really, I'm really just trying to fill space at this point. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was fun, though. The the ever fun, easy to ask, difficult to answer question, just how are you? I am, let's see. I'm, a, I'm all right. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm kind of, let's see. I've experienced a lot of anxiety recently. Not, not like not like debilitating, but just like low level, the feeling that I should be doing something or that uh, I'm falling behind in like my career. Like that's kind of nagging at me because I'm in, I live in Los Angeles and it's lo- it's totally locked down. Like there's nothing yeah. going on out there. Well, not nothing, but like all the restaurants and are closed. The bars are closed. All performing arts venues are have been totally shut down. It's really bad in LA right now. Yeah. Apparently it's really bad. Like the news is just like every day I read the news and it's like LA is somehow worse. Hospitals are completely full. Uh, yeah. If you get sick, the ambulances will not be able to get you. And one in five people have COVID, you know, and it's been pretty locked down though, really since March. Uh, we've, we've had the restaurants got open for outdoor dining for a while and they closed. But so uh, just, just for context, like I've just been inside. So, and, and um, it. Yeah, I'm like having trouble sleeping, and I'm, I'm normally a pretty good sleeper. I I, I I hit the sack and I'm out, but I've been a bit kind of restless, and I feel like it's it's a lot of like, oh, I'm falling behind uh, on my career, and I need to um, be doing more. But yeah. there's not there's not a lot to do really. Uh, I mean, I'm like an actor writer in Hollywood, so it's kind of like well. It's hard. I, I kind of have to wait for someone to hire me. I mean, that's not totally true, but it, I, that's that's somewhat true. There's definitely, yeah, I would imagine a lot of seemingly like relative lack of control. It's like, yeah, you know, what you can do versus what they what they do on their end. It's disproportionate. Right, right. There are things I can do. You can write scripts. You can call friends. You can try to get people to read stuff. You can put up videos of yourself that maybe will get you noticed. But if a casting director decides to hire me for a role that gives me work for a month or two or something. Yeah. So like other people's actions are way more impactful in my life than my actions. <laughs> <laughs> I've really felt in the last like week or two, especially really anxious. You know, it's that weird thing where you go through the life cycles of what all this is. It's like for me, March and April, maybe even like May, I was just so numb to what this thing was because I couldn't even wrap my head around it. You know, like you're going through shock or like even like the stages of grief to process this. And then then it's like, okay, well, you adjust because we're pretty malleable as humans. And then you kind of like get into a relative routine if you can. But now the anxiety is back quite a bit. And I feel like it's maybe because not that it doesn't change anything because it's like a day difference. But it's like, oh, it's 2021 now. Yeah, we always hear about. 2020 the worst and it would it was a thing we understandably said a lot of people said all year but now that's 2021 in my head i don't know it's just i guess it's like fuck it's 2021 yeah and it's really just been bothering me i, I it's it's a lot i don't know yeah it's interesting how you know the number of the year like affects your mindset so much yeah um, same thing with your age can affect your mindset so much even though you get you have a birthday the day after your birthday, you're no different than you were the day before your birthday, but your mindset can be different because of that yeah. number, um, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I don't know. It, I mean, I've, I should say, like, I'm grateful for my creative life. I, I like the non-structured. I'm down for the trade-off of insecurity versus freedom that I have chosen <laughs> yeah. in my life. Like, <laughs> But still, there's still just the hard part is, like, 
the uncertainty is something you have to just like deal with. You have to just kind of accept that like the future is a stormy sea of danger and uh, you're going to have to navigate some waves coming up. There ain't, there ain't no way around it. Um, yeah. But I, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling all over the place. No. The, the, the anxiety, yeah, it's been higher lately. And I do think everybody I talk to goes through waves of it. Mm-hmm. Of just like being being stressed out or being more, I don't know, like zen about it. I, I've, I know I've, uh, friends of mine have had that exact thing. And I have to certainly, to where I feel like, um, yeah, I'm good mm-hmm. for a minute. And then it's like that relief on top of it of like, oh, I feel good. This is nice. But then I also feel a little guilty about feeling good because it's just like knowing every single truly awful, heinous thing happening in every different incarnation so it's just i don't know it just feels like this um kind of bucking bronco that i'm trying to just stay on <laughs> as much as i can you know? i had i had a good breakthrough the other night i had so n- normally i sleep well sometimes sometimes i have the thing where i just like can't sleep i'm just like my head's racing yeah and i'm super nervous a couple like a week ago i had like sort of a bad night of this i just really maybe i had caffeine late or something but i was just really having trouble getting to sleep and not, then I got like really anxious. Heart starts racing. It's not in the realm of what I have heard described as like panic attacks. It was nothing like that. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like my body was in danger or anything like that. But my but heart was racing and I was just like nervous, right? And I'm this is like two in the morning. And I'm tired, but not tired enough to go to sleep. And I'm lying there and <laughs> I sort of just got real <laughs> I don't know if this is healthy or like deranged, but I was just sort of like, well, uh, I guess my body is just going to be stressed for the next couple hours and there's nothing I can do about it. And I just kind of laid there and kind of just tried to like me- pretend I was on a plane ride where like you're not allowed to move. You're just yeah. stuck in this chair and the plane's going to land when it lands when you get there and then you'll get off the plane. And until then, you can't do anything about it. You can't hurry it up. You can't like leave the plane and walk around. And then I was I was simultaneously like chill and completely stressed out, you know? Yeah. Like my heart racing like crazy, but my brain was like up in my skull, just like a kid controlling a giant robot. Like, well, I guess the robot is the robot's having a hard time of it today. <laughs> and, and, I, and I also was, was like, is this healthy of me or am I a sociopath? Like maybe <laughs> I should get up and walk around and I'm just being crazy. Well, to be fair, I imagine a lot of sociopaths don't have the internal monologue asking, "Am I a sociopath?" I guess so. Yeah. That, so that's that is that's, that's a good the sign fair, in my favor. Yeah. Yeah, the fair litmus test. Yeah. Uh, although you know, to be fair, perhaps in certain instances there are like particularly self-aware sociopaths, so maybe that's a thing. Maybe yeah. Don't, let's not leave out the possibility that I am a sociopath. <laughs> There's still. Sorry, that's the optimist in me. You just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say? Yeah, there's still a chance I could be a complete lunatic, <laughs> a completely amoral, destructive person. There's hope for me in that regard. <laughs> I do like those thoughts, though, especially I like the the plain thought of, look, I can push against, you know, go against the current as much as I can if I were in a plane. But it's like, this is just how it is. There's no stopping this. Just we'll complete the journey and then we'll figure it out from there. Like that, just kind of like the re- relaxation that comes with that and the... I can't do anything about it. And like giving up the illusion of control can really go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I had a couple couple rough nights of sleep, but I've been I've been just sort of it's just part of the experience. It's just it's just like part of the experience of being kinda of locked down. Um on the positive side, in terms of how I'm doing, I've been I've been keeping pretty busy. I've been pretty yeah. good about like doing stuff. I started teaching improv classes online. 
because that's that's a lot of times what I'll do for money when I don't have like acting work uh, is teach improv classes. So I started doing them online and I've been able to get students from like all over the world in classes together. And it's pretty fun. Is that something yeah. I, I know that? Um, yeah, that you started the improv school. I've got the name. Yeah, the world's greatest improv school. <laughs> right, right. I like audacious names. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. And because um, you'd written the book, How to Be the Greatest Improviser on Earth, mm-hmm. previous to that. But um, is that something you think that, you know, who's to say when this would even be possible of just like continuing it since it's like you can reach such a wider audience in such an easy yeah. way? I mean, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm going to try to keep keep it going even when lockdown ends and sort of see how it goes. Like, so far, there's been demand and good students, and it's been fun. So, I'm gonna keep it keep it up. We'll see. Like, it's gonna be a different world at some point when this all ends. So, that might mean that all the demand for online stuff goes away. What I, what I'm assuming is that we have all gotten used to doing stuff online. So, there will still be some demand for it now that we are familiar with how to do it. Yeah, it'll be like less because in person stuff is just more fun. But I don't think it'll totally go away. So the question is just how much of it will it not go away? That's a fair question. I think, yeah, I think to your point, like we, I think we've reached some level of uh, whatever the threshold is of this has been long enough to where this is in people's routines now. So yeah, I think there are going to be varying degrees of them doing it, but it makes sense to me that like, oh no, this is just some degree of how it is now for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, let's, it's because part of your life is logging on to a video conference and, like, dealing with people. Yeah, I heard somebody talk about the other day about how they were, like, surprised that at the beginning of this, Zoom, you know, was the thing, and then somehow Zoom is still the chosen medium through which to do all this stuff. I mean, as opposed like, to other software platforms? Yeah, yeah, just as, like, I'm how is it not evolved? i about that, too, right? Like, at, you know, like, in other, like, I remember, like, Facebook is dominant now, but MySpace was dominant before Facebook. yeah. And there was even one called Friendster that kind of had like traction before MySpace. So there was a while where these like platforms kind of kept replacing each other before Facebook sort of established itself as like the dominant one. But like that hasn't happened with Zoom. Nothing, nothing has challenged Zoom. I see Google Google Meeting is trying to challenge Zoom. Yeah. But I feel like it's not working. I feel like though I don't like even when a Friendster to a to a MySpace to a Facebook and maybe it's just because I was aware of them, but I remember kind of like why one replaced the other generally. But I'm like, what happened to Skype? This Skype was just like oh, yeah. it just didn't have as good a PR firm behind it, I guess. Because I was because like, Skype been first there. with fr- Skype first showed up, it was amazing. It was like yeah. it was like a miracle that you could do these internet phone calls and it was pretty easy to use and pretty really cheap and it was like yeah it was a miracle yeah it's just it's an institution of its own sort and was kind of around unchecked you know with no competition for so long and then it's just like zoom just came in and just completely replaced it i was i was like what happened to skype as i well, microsoft bought it and ah. maybe they didn't support it that well like um it, it is the thing that zoom has and that facebook had when facebook like sort of first went like national and just like started dominating was like it's easy to use like myspace was clunky and was unreliable and would be down a lot and slow and pages would be hard to load you go to facebook and it would just like work it was like zippy and easy um it was like pretty just well built in a a non-glamorous non-dramatic way like facebook worked and myspace didn't always work and skype i still use skype now and then but it kind of doesn't always work. It's like it's hard to search for a phone number. It's hard to find people. It's not. It doesn't feel reliable. It feels shaky. That's true. 
that's a great uh, point. And I think that's like an interface thing. Like that's like a designer thing. It just I just don't trust it. And Zoom feels like solid. Like I open it up and and click a link and it like works. I know there's like security issues and it doesn't have all the features maybe that you could imagine that you'd want. But like in terms of it's just base, like going from the thought I'd like to do a video conference to actually being in it is like a short path with Zoom. That's a great call. Yeah, it just made me think about like, wow, it's amazing what people will put up with if something is reliable, if they can count on it. Yeah. I don't know. When it comes to electronics and things, I, I honestly, it's almost like nihilistic as this is, I just assume everything's being stolen. Right, right. I kind of do that too. Just like, I just like, privacy's gone if you like go online. That's not, that's not necessarily always true, but I, I do have that feeling. Yeah, I feel like it's probably a better, a better bet than not as awful as that is, but it's easier as opposed to this, I guess, in my head, having that conversation anytime I go to a new website or put in my login for a new thing because I have 30 billion logins at this point. Yeah. And uh, and frankly, my memory is only so good. So pretty much you have one and you can log into 50% probably yeah. of all my stuff. Yeah. I have like four passwords that I rotate. And so if one of them gets stolen, that's 25% of my accounts. <laughs> yeah. That are theoretically available to somebody, but I don't know. I also just don't have a lot in my life. Like, I like I once went uh, my car. I left it unlocked by accident. Parked it in the street. Went to see a movie. So obviously, it was a little while ago. Came back, found my car totally unlocked, and I was like, "Oh man, that was dumb. Somebody <laughs> could have just broken into my car." And then I'm like, "And done what? Like, there's like <laughs> nothing in my car. I mean, I don't love the idea of somebody breaking in my car, but like, there's not a ton." That they there's nothing they could take. <laughs> yeah. um, the car itself is kind of an old beater. Like I almost I almost like steal my car. Have a blast. Like uh, <laughs> enjoy the joys of this 15 year old vehicle. Yeah, that's my thought with hackers too. If like if somebody quote unquote hacked my password, it's like it's not impressive to me. It doesn't take much. And yeah, my passwords are easy. Uh, except, and if it's not my bank, you know, if it's not like my money. Yes. You can have whatever you want. Go go into my Facebook and send messages to people. You know, have a good time. This is the other thing. People people got so worried about Facebook privacy, like with Mark Zuckerberg going before Congress and stuff, and just being like, Facebook's got privacy issues, and you know they left they let their third party vendors have access to all your personal data, and I'm like, so what? Like nothing's on my Facebook that's like valuable. Like Google is the one who I Google knows everything about me. Google, Google knows is like terrifying. what emails I send, where I'm trying to drive to. Like if somebody, I, I have no reason to think they're doing anything bad with my data, but like I am vulnerable to Google. I'm not really vulnerable to Facebook. I'm definitely not as much with Facebook uh, at all of the two. But yeah, to your point, like I see Facebook is, is awful in its own right. But from a personal perspective, I'm not terribly affected by anything that nefarious that could happen to me, I suppose. But Google is more like a Bond villain. That's an evil, yeah. scary corporation. And I just the fact that Facebook is the one that's in the news all the time is sort of like we're not we're we're worried about the wrong thing. I feel like there's this. It's like we have a team of supporters, and one of them we give our all of our messages and our credit card and our driving instructions to, and this other person we put like fun photos of us at a party, and that's the guy that we're watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of me is like, is it that generally the op eds are being written? by these people because to get to the point of that's all you write the type of thing you write is you become generally like enough experience and of a certain age 
So they're actually just still using Facebook, so it affects them. Is that why? Maybe it could be. I, I think it's because Zuckerberg is known. Like I couldn't yeah. tell you who the CEOs of Google are, and like Zuckerberg is, personalizes it. Like we know true. he is a celebrity. We know him, just like we knew Steve Jobs. So yeah. like, and we knew Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Like, but you know, we don't like necessarily know like you know who owns Yahoo. Like I don't know who owns Yahoo or who who's who's the CEO of Yahoo. I forget who's the CEO of know. Zoom. I for, I don't know who that is. So I think that's like helpful for the companies that it's, it's harder for them to become targets. That is true. Like we only know CEOs for all the wrong reasons yeah. generally, but it's almost, you know, putting it thinking about Google too. It's almost more frightening that I don't know Google, which is like the real scary threat. Yeah. It can control everything that I don't know that it's like, oh, that's ooh, that adds another layer of kind of nefariousness to it. Yeah. Google's scary. It's also... All their stuff works. Their stuff works well. So I like That's the thing that sucks about it. Yeah, I say Google is scary, but I don't go to Bing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, guess I'm not doing myself any favors. Yeah. I did want to ask you, Um, well, I did want to say first that your album, Turn It Up, is great. I love oh, it. Oh, hey, thanks for listening to it. Oh, my gosh. What a... What a nice thing. It's great. How long did it take you to get to the point of, of releasing the album? I know it came out July 8th. Um, we started do it, We started working on it in um, November before. So what happened was I'm learning guitar. I'm still trying to learn guitar. And I would look up how to play songs, and I would learn the chords to songs. And then I was like, I want to write songs. This isn't so hard. I mean, I, I knew it was kind of hard, but like, I love music, and I was like, I, just, I wanted to take a shot at writing songs. So once yeah. I learned some chord progressions, I was like, well, I can – play chords and hum the song and write the words, i.e. I could lay out a song. So then I got my friend Joel Spence, who's very musically talented and accomplished and who sort of has the knows enough about producing to like actually make stuff. I kind of went to him and I was like, hey, I've got like 10 songs. Do you want to help me record them? And then he was like, well, I've got some songs to do. And I was like, oh, let's just I think he said he said, let's just be a band. And I was like, great. You do everything, and uh, we'll be a band. And um, I guess my role in the duo was the one who took the initiative and who kind of like said we should do this. And his role is being good enough to actually do it. Like <laughs> Knowing, he record- speaking we, the language, yeah, yeah. He like recorded everything in his apartment and like played like all the instruments. I, I would do demos in my apartment of my songs, me and a guitar singing with like a like a pre recorded drum track. Send those to him. And then he would like redo the instrumental bed, sometimes changing it, sometimes keeping it pretty much the same. And then I'd go over to his place and sing it. And we did, and then we talk and like adjusted some of the songs. And it was just like super fun. It was just like two friends really getting to nerd out on songs, on music. And we're both like just big fans of the music that we like. So it was really fun to do. I think it turned out great. Like it's genuinely really good. And the um, I like Nashua a lot. It's oh, a great track. Yeah, that's my that's my favorite song. I think album. it's great. And um, in terms of just a love the guitar and just the sound of Hard Easy Rocker, I think is great. Oh yeah, I love that one too. Yeah, um, all three that that run of three of Nashua and what is it? Tell all the peasantry that I'm comprised <laughs> of squares, which is so what a title. Uh, I'm it. a big fan of the band They Might Be Giants, and it felt yeah. very like They Might Be Giantsy to have like this kind of obtuse verbal title (laughs) it's Um, great to put it lightly it is very evocative (laughs) and uh no it's a great album and i highly recommend anybody listen to it oh thanks thanks so much it's got a song for everyone i think if you like nerdy rock 
Like they might be just, uh, to me, it's like the ingredients that I'm going to name bands that are so much better than anything we could ever do. But like <laughs> in terms of our inspiring influences, it would be like, they might be giants, REM. And, um, um, that's it. Those two, those are the only ones. And, um, oh, and I guess a little magnetic fields. Those, those okay. were, those, those were kind of our vibes. Um, I can see that for sure. But obviously we are nowhere near as good as any of those people. So the actual result sounds different, but it's, it's that it's in that aesthetic. No, I think that, I mean, I think that makes absolute sense having listened to the album a bunch of times. Yeah, no, I could absolutely see that. I did want to ask you also, I know you have your podcast, Screw It, we're just going to talk about the Beatles, obviously about the Beatles, and then it's about also, I almost said side projects, but no, not side projects of other members, just full-on, unto-themselves bands, you yeah. know, like the Beatles. I still always have to remind myself, as a huge Beatles fan, somebody who grew up in a household that pretty much... For the most part, that like that and ELO were what we <laughs> listened to, uh, and like the Eagles and kind of the the Pink Floyd and things like that. But yeah, I just had to remind myself of like, oh yeah, they were together eight years. I know, such a short time. I can't wrap my head around that. You know, like eight yeah. years. They recorded for eight. I mean, they they were together longer. They recorded for eight years. Yeah, uh, they were together. I mean, John and Paul and George got together like when they were sixteen. But even still, that's only another five years. It's not. There are, I mean, the Rolling Stones have been together 40 years, probably, Yeah, I'm guessing. Uh, 50, no, I think 50, 50? years. Good yeah. Lord. 10, 20. Because uh, they started like in 63 or something like that, right? So 73, 83, 93, yeah, 50, uh, almost 50. It's just, it's wild to think that like, oh, Paul McCartney Almost was... 60. They've been almost 60 years. Wow. Good Lord. Yeah. That, I mean, like, Paul McCartney made music with Wings maybe even like twice as long as the Beatles in yeah. terms of recording. Sure, yeah. I was listening the other day too, like a couple of days ago, because I hadn't really kind of let it sink in yet, but listening to McCartney's new album, Three. Oh, yeah. And I like yeah. it quite a bit. I like it. I, um, I mean, I love Paul McCartney so much that when he releases an album, it's like a friend of mine has written me a letter. I'm just like yeah. excited to hear from him. It doesn't even matter what's in the letter. The opening and closing track of the album are really good, I think. And um, and the rest of it is kind of like really pleasant, like curiosities. It's yeah. like, oh, Paul wanted to write this kind of song. Oh, he wanted to write this kind of song. It really is just him having fun with it, and then yeah, releasing it on a mat, well, uh, on a massive scale, but by proxy of him being Paul McCartney, just using his like rep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That you know the um, one album that I think I forget what year it was, early nineties, I think that I've heard so many times more than a lot of other albums in general an album that i love part of it probably is just nostalgia of being younger when i heard it but off the ground is an album i really really love does it have hope of deliverance on it yes okay yeah yeah i remember that album i remember that being pretty good i like it quite a bit yeah but to your point i, I feel like with his solo albums he there are like two or three tracks that like really just completely do it for me but then the rest is like yeah he's just like yeah i want to do this now you're yeah. Like, okay. Fair enough. You've earned you've earned that Paul McCartney, and even if you haven't, you're gonna do it anyway. So fair he seems enough. to be a workhorse where he just likes to produce things, like he likes to finish things. So I, I I don't think he always perfects things. He kind of gets them into a solid state, and then he's like, all right, that's done, and moves on. But I was I was glad he released an album. It was it was like a positive, optimistic thing. Yeah, and it came around at a at a nice time. I think it was what November it came out. Maybe uh, early December? I think, no, um, it was early December. Yeah, December it came out. 
They, he was like he announced it in like November and like that's kind of when all the press started happening. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, it came out like that. December eighteenth, I think, is when it came out, if I recall correctly. Oh yeah, because I randomly know that because of there was a Taylor Swift conflict, and she that's moved right, her yeah. album. That's what it was. Hers came out the tenth, and like they moved each other's albums so they wouldn't bump with each other. <laughs> Although I think it was unnecessary. It's not like Taylor Swift fans were going to care about when Paul McCartney's album was coming out. But I guess they're <laughs> friends, so they they were just being polite to each other. I like that a lot, but yeah, to your point, it's not like the Taylor Swift and or McCartney fans were having the Sophie's Choice possibility of, ooh, do I go McCartney or Taylor Swift with this conflict? (laughs) Yeah, the idea that that's a hard, big choice. Yeah, that it has to be one or the other. It's like, ooh, but I have have fealty to to both of these in equal measure. What should I do? Just listen to both of them at the same time. <laughs> Have a mashup session. I like I like listening to new music. It's hard sometimes to like force yourself to kind of go a new path and like listen to something that's not like your jam. Yes. Um it's hard to just there's so much music, it's hard to even pick. So I have friends who if I if I if I have a friend who's passionate about music, I'll just be like, send me some albums that you like. And I'll just check them out. And they might not, they won't necessarily be my thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll let them run through my ears a little bit. So I try to listen to a lot of different stuff. I read something one time, I read an article, and it said something to the effect of like, and I don't know how they quantify this exactly, but it was something like that one, at a certain age, like 33, 34, that you just, relatively speaking, stop listening to new, new music and just return to the things you've listened to over the years. Yeah. Which, again, I don't know how they quantify that exactly, but I de- there definitely was a time... At around that time for me where I just stopped. My curiosity didn't end, but it waned to a certain extent to new bands. So I'm trying to get out of that funk a little bit just so it's not like confirmation bias of music, you know, and I'm listening to the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, try to, I try to be like that. What are you listening to now? Then? Uh, let's see. I'm listening to... Hang on, I'm going to open up my music thing. I'm opening mine too now. That would be cool. What am I listening to as I ask that? I mean, I was listening to Fleetwood Mac, oh. uh, hardly an obscure band, but I've never really <laughs> listened to a lot of Fleetwood Mac. And a friend of mine loves Fleetwood Mac, so I was listening to their last couple albums, which is sort of strange. Oh, and I, I watched the Tom Petty documentary, so then I was listening to a ton of Tom Petty. I love that documentary. Yeah, it was really it was really fun. It reminds me, I, will, I watched Back to Back, Two do- music documentaries from last year, the Zappa documentary and then the Bee Gees documentary. Yeah. Both entirely disparate documentaries, but they're both great. I, I love Rock Docs, so... Yeah, me too. I like watching them. That Eagles documentary is fantastic. Oh, really? Maybe I'll watch that one. Let's see. Uh, Tame Impala. Love Tame Impala. Uh, Deer Hunter. Love Deer Hunter. That's great. Um, there's a band called Mariah that I okay. listen to. Um, this is, that's some recent stuff that like a friend of mine sent me those. I went deep into the Eurythmics for a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love Annie Lennox. Yeah. Her voice is pretty incredible. Yeah. That's, that's some, that's some recent stuff. Oh, uh, Tom, there's a Tom Waits live album I listened to. I've never listened to a ton of Tom Waits and I heard this live album was pretty good. Oh, somebody recommended a guy named Gabriel Kahane. I don't, I don't huh. even know if I'm pronouncing that right. A Portland trio of sisters called Joseph. Okay. Yeah, these are like, I don't know, they kind of just fell my way. Uh, I, I belong to a 
club that um a music club an email list where every sunday you get emailed an album to listen to that one of the members recommended oh cool uh, everybody only gets to go once and it's been going for like eight years so every sunday i get an album recommended to me sometimes it's a really well-known album yeah sometimes it's a totally obscure pick that the recommender just happens to know but i'll listen to that every week and that's, that's a pretty fun. random assortment of stuff that's pretty fun. I like yeah. that idea. I mean, for all you know, it's like, oh, I could have my new favorite album waiting for you for me tomorrow in an email. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Unrelated, but I mean, I um, I don't know why I said unrelated. Directly related. <laughs> that uh, I've been listening to Man Man's Dream Hunting in the Valley of the In Between. Oh yeah, quite a bit. It's uh, pretty great. It. Yeah, and um, I'm actually talking to him tomorrow. Um, oh cool, yeah. Honus, Honus. So I'm ex- excited about that. You're talking to Honus? Yeah. Oh nice. I'm very excited about that. But yeah, it, that album definitely has, at times anyway, if not overall, just ELO vibes. Again, that's just an, a band. Growing up, ELO and ABBA, those were two big ones for me. As, oh, the, the two amazing bands. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Lynn just had that has that knack, so does ABBA, just of writing a song that sticks in your head forever. Truly. Like, it's unbelievable. I feel like, um, and maybe this is like such a hipster thing to say, but I do feel like ELO is is slept on, or maybe in my mind I'm just they're not haven't been given the exact amount of respect that I expect everyone to give them. Yeah, I, I think it's possible to find people that have not been exposed to ELO. They're they're not a they're not a guaranteed, but the people who love ELO love them. Like whenever ELO tours, like there's a there's a oh, arena yeah. of people who want to see them. But uh, I know what you're saying. They they don't feel like they feel underrated. I, I can see that. I guess because in that era, that general era, you know, it's they're not as mentioned as often as like, you know, the I guess the more like the totem of that time is where they're like the Eagles, you know, that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the giant one. And part of that is that classic rock stations grew big and they became the, the flagship band for them. Yeah. But, you know, ELO I, I love. And oh, also, now that I think about it, I think it was last, no, 2019, the uh, ELO released a new album and it's great. I recommend it. Oh, I, I love it too. Um, there's some song like, oh, I, I can't remember now. I, I, th- there's a, there's like there's like four songs on it that are as good as anything they've done. I completely agree. Um, yes, I remember just it's being re- stunned by that. Uh, I like, was, yeah, I've listened to that album quite a bit, and and to your point, like I revisited it just like I I don't know that that was as good as I remember it, even if I listened to it like a week before that. And I'm like, yeah, these are pound for pound. Just Down as came good the rain. as anything That's the made. song I love. Down came the rain. Yes. Um, from out of nowhere. Uh, I like time of our life too. Yeah, there's a run of like four or five straight songs on that album where I am just so into them. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's pretty exciting. Well, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, yeah, nice to talk to you, Brandon. Thanks for yes, this was great. Touch. What all do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Oh, I don't know. How about um. Guys, take a look at my Instagram, which is Willie B. Hines, W-I-L-L-I-E-B-H-I-N-E-S. If you're curious about stuff I'm doing, I'll plug it there. And I have a Twitter account, W-I-L-L-H-I-N-E-S, which is uh, mostly lies, mostly lies and fake brags about how great I'm doing. But I'll plug stuff there, too. Those are, awesome. those are two good places to check. Thank you again for doing this. Yeah, this my pleasure, so Brandon. Thank you all for listening. Please stay safe. Please wear a mask. Be well. Bye.